Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest results, storylines, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, April 1st, and before we get into today's podcast, I just want to share some news with you, the listeners. Uh, if you guys have been following along, uh, following us throughout this Crack Rackets journey, you'll know how much we enjoy the game of tennis, how much it's meant to both myself, Max Rothman, Max Fliegner, the three guys who I started, or the two guys, I guess, I started the Great Shot podcast with. You know how much it's meant to us to get to follow the game, share our thoughts, share all the things we find so enjoyable about this sport, really to, you know, try and grow it. And, you know, it's with a heavy heart, a sad heart that I, I have to tell you listeners today, uh, for those who don't know, Rothman and I, um, you know, we we mentioned we've been beefing a bit off of the off of the camera. You know, we I had so much fun with them. Both of us had so many fun things we wanted to do. Unfortunately, just when you work with someone for a little bit, it, things get tough. You start to bicker. You swear at one another. And you know, I care about him so deeply. I know he feels the same way about me. We didn't want this to get in the way of our friendship. So unfortunately. Uh, Rothman's going to be stepping away from the Great Shot podcast now. You know, I say that again with such a heavy heart. Uh, it, it's almost tough for me to get through. You know how much this means to me. I, I, I really. April Fools, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I hope you guys believe that April Fools, as we mentioned. Welcome to the mini break, your you really daily think, podcast. Come on, <laughs> they really think that that was gonna happen, uh, dude. Sorry. I had a whole, I had a whole Vegas corollary story planned. I was gonna go on a tangent on how like we had this big discussion, like in the heat of the club, like a, a you know, drunken we were, we argument, sh- fist fight. <laughs> I wish you had dragged it out. I know a minute was enough, but as I, I would say, as you listeners can tell, joining me today to help recap the Miami action, he is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man you cannot go to Vegas without. Our biggest winner from the last week, Maxwell Labauer Rothman. Maxie, welcome back to the mini break. Dude, yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. Um, Real quick, let's get an April Fool's sound effect from West off, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was a sweet weekend, and I think if anything, the uh, the beef was uh, squashed this weekend. The the love is all there, and uh, I think we're ready to you know get back into into the booth and bring you guys some some good coverage. And I know we we don't want to make this one too long. Tonight, uh, you know, this week we're going to change up some things with the mini break uh, and we'll explain kind of what's happening there. But, uh, of course, first, we we do want to talk about the semis and finals from Miami. Well, as we have mentioned already, Max and I were in Vegas and it's amazing how much a little bit of personal time, a little bit of intimate uh I, I don't know, intimacy, you know I love Max Rothman, that's, that's the word you have to go with, in-person intimacy, uh, it, it heals all, so it was great to get to see you, obviously we were there for Crack Rackets' very own Dalton Thieneman's bachelor party, and so none of us got to watch as much tennis as we'd like, however, throughout the course of this week, as Max mentioned, we're going to do something a little bit different, so the sunshine double is finally behind us, now we get to really have fun with these mini breaks, kind of take them in different directions, you know, we won't have play. There's always play going on, but we won't have such attention-heavy matches. My, you know, Masters events—that's must. Premier events is must-see television for all tennis fans. So we're gonna 
have a lot of fun this week. We're going to talk about a couple different things. Our very own Kale Hammond and Tennis Channel's very own Kale Hammond is in Charleston this week for the women's. What It's the WTA, the equivalent of a 250. I don't know exactly what that's called. I'm sorry uh, for that event. I believe it's the Volvo Open. So we'll talk to him throughout the week. Uh, we're going to obviously recap the fall hard or the fall, the winter hard court season because Max Rothman, it's almost clay time. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for the clay and uh, yeah, a little interesting fact for the last ten years, the the ATP race leaders uh, in this order, 2010 was Roddick, and then for six years was Djokovic, 2011 through 16. Last three years now, Fed, you know, Fed after winning Miami is now the the ATP race leader going into the clay court season, and I'm excited to see what happens uh, in the clay court. But also, a uh, quick thing to note: the Charleston is more than 250. The the winner does get 470 points. Finalist gets 305, Ooh. and the semifinalists get 185. So a, a little, not quite a 500, I guess, which is weird, but in that realm. It's amazing for me. Even in Vegas, you found time to read tennis Twitter because I have that exact <laughs> tweet liked as well. But with that, let's get into our play. As we mentioned, uh, we're both exhausted. We just got in from Vegas. We're recording this 1 a.m. so our Eastern time. So bear with us. We're we're going to do more deep diving into the bigger stalls, the bigger storylines, the things we think fans should take away from this later throughout the week. But as you mentioned, let's start with the men's semifinals and some other stats for you that I have uh, to set the scene coming into the round. The last and only time two players from Canada were in an ATP Masters 1000 semifinal, Montreal 2013. Rayonich Pospisil, obviously here in Miami, the biggest storyline, FAA, Felix ogier Dennis Shapovalov, a guy it seems like we forgot about at the beginning of 2019 because of how many successful young next-gen players there were breaking through, make the semifinals here. Uh, you know, only three players have ever won their first ATP title at an ATP Masters 1000 event. They weren't able to do that here, but still uh, such positive results for both of them. Let's start with the more exciting of the two matches. Let's start with Isner versus FAA. Isner obviously went on a fantastic run on his way to the final, takes out FAA 7-6-7-6, ties his own record from, I believe it was, or maybe not Madrid, but Rome, I'm looking it up now, by winning seven tiebreakers uh, en route to the final. He's the only guy who's done it before, and now he's done it twice. I mean, his surface was just dominant here, Rothman. It was, and, you know, I, I think, you know, hopefully this is the last time we have to say this about a hard court, but these courts were slow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and just really benefit, you know, his serve, especially his kick serve. Uh, but I, I think also got to give the guy credit. He was ripping his forehands. He's been volleying really well this week. Uh, I mean, he, was, he wasn't going to be able to take out uh, a really solid FAA without those two things also coming in clutch for him. So, of course, you know, the serve was there and, and has been all week, but uh, I think you definitely got to give him credit for his forehands and volleys as well. I mean, he, so he goes 9-0 and in tiebreaks on the week with these two tiebreakers here. Just, that's a record. I mean, it's tremendous. And it speaks to the fact when John is confident in his first serve, executing his game, he's thrown in the serve and volley more later in his career. And on these slow courts, I know this is going to sound a little bit weird, but I think a slower court actually benefits a serve and volley or tactically because for John, he's able to produce such height on his kick serves. It gives him that much more time to get a little bit closer to the net. And with his wingspan... You know, the margins for error on a passing shot are so thin. Now, you look at the stats from this match for John, 21 ace against two double faults, elite, 72% first serve percentage, wins 75% of those points, 50% of his second serve points, saves four of the six break points he faced. Now, 
On the flip side of this, for FAA to break Isner two times in this match, I think if you would have told him that before it started, he would have been like, man, I might actually win. I I think, yeah, I think if I had just seen that, I would have said FAA won. I I honestly, I didn't (laughs) expect him to get broken uh, in this match, and, you know, uh, of course he did. Um, But, you know, look, I, I agree with you, too, on the slow courts benefiting a guy like John. He hits big enough to hit through the court regardless of whether it's slow, and, I, of course, I, I think it, it gives him more time to get into the net. And uh, I think FA struggled a little bit with that in this match. But it's not like he played bad. I mean, he served 64%, won 69% of his first serves. You know, he was 52% uh, on his second serve points won. And so, I, you know, look, this is a, a tight match. And it's just tough when you're going into a tiebreaker, two of them against John, who's undefeated, you know, in the tournament. And and you look at the teenagers who have made Miami Open semifinals, you know, now Felix, Shapovalov, but the company they join, Djokovic, Murray, Nadal, Hewitt, Agassi. You know, again, the company these players keep putting themselves in, it's elite guys. These are the sort of results we're not used to seeing this from players so young, particularly given how physical the game has become, how important it is that even at, you know, and how hard it is for 18, 19-year-olds to keep up with these 26-year-olds who are fully developed. And for Felix, he's got the weapons already. You look at some of the stats from his perspective, you know, 64% of his first serves go in, that's good. A 69% first serve win percentage, 52% on the second serve, saves two of the four break points he faces now. It's not like John Isner lights you up from the returning game, but just the way he was able to solidly win points turn to the serve plus one the way he takes forehands early and redirects as a first ball is an elite skill he's really able to shorten his backhand and we'll talk about that more throughout the week as we talk about you know because he's obviously one of the biggest takeaways from the early part of this season but uh, you know last note why I think he loses this match when the margins are so thin a stat you love to turn to Rothman six aces against seven double faults you just can't give John Isner that many free points and it's a testament I'm sure he was nervous and it's 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 things like that He's definitely going to improve, and that's why you know the takeaway from him, despite this loss in this tournament, so great. Yeah, well, a little sneak preview to you know one of the mini breaks we might be doing this week. You know, we're talking about kind of the the quarter year, uh, you know, standings and where we're at, and, and looking forward to the rest of the year. And uh, you know, FAA man, I, I really do think that this is a guy we might see in a quarterfinals of a Grand Slam, uh, potentially in the finals of a Masters. Uh, for the for the 2019 season, I think we're going to see a title out of him. We're going to see big things from him. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, some last stats about it. FA, third youngest player to reach a Masters semifinal. Shapovalov was the youngest in Montreal last year. Michael Chang did it in Toronto many moons ago. But again, the company on this list, Nadal, Gasquet, Sampras, Hewitt, Tommy Haas, Andy Murray, Andre Medvedev, if that's the company you're keeping for yourself, you're looking pretty good. And yeah, uh, it's just... I mean, yes, the the future is so bright for these guys, but we we can move on because, as you mentioned, we I, my bl- brain scrambled. I'm still in Vegas. I don't know what's going on. I wish we could have bet F. Or I mean, I, I maybe not. I believe you wanted to bet just the over under on the game spread at twenty five and a half two yeah, tiebreakers. Great shot by you. Yeah, thank you. I, I kind of figured that would happen, uh, but not great shot by you on on wanting Isner for today's match. But we'll we'll get there. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. That was win. A lot of booze was talking at that point, though. No. Uh, but yes, we can move on to our next match. Roger Federer, I don't even know what to say at this point when we were mentioning his greatness. You look at it, this was his 66th Masters semifinal. Uh, you know, the 12th, or sorry, the 7th time he had done it at Miami. 
I mean, he he becomes after winning against Denis Shapovalov six two six four. He became the first player ever to make fifty ATP's Masters finals. I know these young guys have a mental block when you're facing Fed, and you can tell from the way Shapovalov came out in this match, losing that first set six two. I think it was in under, and I think it was in like under thirty minutes. The match itself yeah. is only an hour thirteen. You know, three aces, five double faults, only wins thirty one percent of his second serve points for Federer. Even though Federer only wins forty or makes forty nine percent of his first serves, uh, wins ninety one percent of those points, seventy four percent of his second serve points. Is it nerves? Was it tactics? Is Federer playing that well? What went wrong here, Rothman? Yeah, no, I think or I a, guess right. There's a, a little bit of a combo here. I mean, I think Fed knew how to pick apart Chapo's game, and I think that you know Chapo felt he had to do a lot more against Fed than maybe necessary. I, I saw him going for some shots that probably didn't need to go for. Um, you know, it's also a combo of, of Fed really taking care of his serve, as the the statistics show, but. You know, one pretty bad stat on Chapo's side, he's winning 31% of his second serves, and he was only making 52% of his first. So he, you know, he's losing two thirds of his second serve points, and he's, you know, hitting a second serve every other, every other, you know, service. So it's kind of hard at that point to put yourself in a position to, you know, be aggressive against Fed. And so I think he found himself behind in a lot of points, and that just makes it tough. You make it tough on yourself against a guy like him. I think one of the biggest things we've learned about Denis Shapovalov, and we can definitely, you know, pencil this in, it's not like anyone had doubts that when he plays his A game, he was good, but it's to a point now where when Shapovalov is playing his best tennis, he can compete with anyone on the ATP Tour, and you look at, again, some of the results he had this tournament. You and I didn't get a chance to talk about it on Mike, but his quarterfinal win coming back against Francis Tiafo, you know, so impressive from him. Uh, you look at some of the other matches he won to get there, beats Tsitsipas, beats Rublev, uh, beats a hot Daniel Evans. He played outstanding tennis. Now, I think what we saw in this match, when someone takes time away from Denis Shapovalov, puts him on the defensive, the plan B still isn't quite ready. You know, he doesn't 100. grind out matches. I thought he was great against Tsitsipas, and sorry for cutting you off, working angles and doing some of those things, but Tsitsipas doesn't take time away from you quite at the level of a Roger Federer. Yeah, don't worry. I, I actually cut myself off because I'm, I'm usually more respectful. Um, but <laughs> he, look, he he played three next geners who were willing to sit back and rip with him and grind, and then he moves up, you know, 15 years in age to the goat and the ultimate vet on tour. And he Fed knew what to do. He knew how to take time. He knew how to put pressure on him. He wasn't gonna. You know, give him these long rallies, these you know, gr- grinded out rallies like the other guys did, and it showed. I think that's that is literally the the exact reason why Shapo was unable to to pull through. You know, in this match. Well, then we can end with this. I was going to save it for Twitter Tuesday, but it, the the last big win for Dennis Shapovalov. He tweets after the tournament, and it wasn't yeah. rapping. It wasn't anything. He goes, it's so great to see biodegradable stringing bags being used in Miami. I used 42 bags just this week alone. Think about how much plastic we are wasting yearly. We need to see more of this on tour and try to be more hashtag, and I'm sorry for saying that, eco-friendly at ATP Tour, hashtag green. I'm sorry for the hashtags. My point being, really cool to see him use his platform now when people are paying attention to promote something like that. And for Dennis Shapovalov, much like FAA, the future is so bright. 100%. Another guy that I think we can expect to see deep in 
Masters and Grand Slams. I, I'm a little bit higher on FAA at the moment, but we'll again we'll we'll debate that in our GSP later this week. We can throw in a quick tangent for Denis Shapovalov. If he makes the next gen finals this year, because he's still eligible to play, is there any chance he plays? Because I think if FAA plays, he, like how is Denis not gonna? Yeah, oh, he's the kind of guy that would. He's no, sh- he didn't last year. But I think now, if, if, with potentially a, a strong, a strong next gen presence in there, I think I think he could be like, you know what, this sounds fun. Think of the payday. Like at the very least, think about the, the, the stage money, for money, his money, rapping. money. <laughs> That's like the prime platform. He like performs at the he's Milan debut fashion his, show. He's, he's gonna debut his EP out there. <laughs> this year's Victoria's Secret fashion show is him and Bruno Mars. I would pay a lot of money to see that. Oh my god, cringeworthy stuff. Well, let's move on to the final. Not that eventful of a match. You know, what are we going to say about Roger Federer that hasn't already been said? He rocks John Isner in this one, 6-1-6-4. Now, of course, Isner was injured in this match, and you don't want to take anything away from his effort because he also had a great tournament. But just tactically, I mean, what are we going to say? Yeah, Federer's really f***ing good. If you didn't know that, you're stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, he just first of all, six one is ridiculous considering, you know, the the Isner serve this uh, this tournament. So, but I, if you watch this, it was just prime fed. You, you <laughs> he was seeing the ball so well, and everything else I have to say is what we've said and what anyone else would say. You know, he he looks amazing. He did everything right. So let's talk then about some of the interesting things. This match started a little bit late on ESPN2. They didn't cut out of the programming before, so people didn't get to see the beginning. And given that Federer kind of coached out, there's a lot of heat for that now. that's That seems like it's on Twitter Tuesday segment. But this gets me to my ta- tangent. You know, tennis Twitter can be such a fun place. And maybe this is something I should have saved for Tuesday, but... I still got the Vegas Blues. I'm saying what's on my mind. I'm feeling confident. I had a great time at the club Friday night, so I'm feeling good about myself. And again, hey, great shot to you, Max Rothman, for all of your efforts. Um, but can people relax? Jeez. Like, I'm going to get into the Ben Rothenberg point tomorrow, but just the snark, the amount of assholery. It's like you don't get extra points because you're an asshole. You just don't. So why waste everyone's like, – I know. Why am I getting mad about you? I'm giving you attention, and that's what you're uh, shooting for. But just stop it. I want the fun. I want the gifts from Double Fault. I want the updates about stats from Luca Branche, and I want nothing else. I, I want to see Rod Laver congratulate, congratulating Barty, you know, saying he's excited yeah. to see her success. Like, that's awesome. That's what we need more of. I, I am with you. I don't want to – take this tangent to another level because well, it's I just think like we... but it's like the final on twitter you wouldn't know i mean not that what are, what are people going to say in roger Fe- i guess that's a testament to this segment what can you even say about this match i guess we had to talk about other things but it's like let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the fun other things let's talk about gimbal stop in the box that's a way better oh, topic God. no i'm just kidding um yeah i I mean, Federer, you look at just some of the takeaways from this. For Roger Federer, you know, he now has uh, 
28 Masters title. He tra- trails Djokovic and Nadal, and that's really one of the only categories they have over him. So for him to close that gap anymore is just crazy. Uh, you look at some of the other things. Now, years with an ATP Masters 1000 uh, tournament victory. Federer and Nadal now tied with 13 years of that for Federer. Won his first one in 2002. That's now carried to 2019. That's crazy. Nadal, 05 through 14, 16 through 18. Assuming he wins one on clay this year, that's nuts. You look at amount of ATP. Masters tournaments won at least four times. Djokovic has won six of them four times. Federer four, Nadal four. Federer is the only male player at the moment to have won two ATP tournaments this year, and it will now be 1,119. Oh, sorry, 1,019 weeks for Federer in the ATP Top 100, uh, tying Andre Agassi's record. Yeah, the guy is fucking brilliant. I mean, he's the player of a generation. It's a, it's a pretty cool of a, time maybe to... a, of a sport. Oh, no doubt, and it's pretty cool to tie that record considering he started this journey and beat Agassi in Miami in that 2002 final, so uh, kind of an interesting little coincidence there, but yeah, it's super impressive, and and it was kind of interesting, too, to hear Fed talk about how he, you know, even before 2002, how Miami was such a home to him playing international junior tournaments there, and uh, so he he really clearly loves that place, and, uh, you know, also... Got to give a, a quick shout out to our guy Stephen Ross, who just got so much love. <laughs> our in, guy, in, hey, go blue, baby. Um, <laughs> except not go blue because that Sweet Sixteen game was trash. No, um, always go blue. Always, go always blue. go blue. No, I'm kidding. Uh, hey, Michigan no, was, girls beat Ohio State girls today. Go blue, baby. We needed that one. Hell yeah! Uh, but no, it's just funny how much love Stephen Ross got in that uh, in the in the post match. Mm-hmm press you know it was, it was interesting and and i know i'm losing it now because i'm swearing a lot more and but another takeaway james blake, i guess this no no i'm saving that one for the winners james and blake is a handsome he's one of my winners all right we'll give it away now one of my winners can i get a fast forward sound effect please uh west off yeah one of my winners from the week james blake he is a good looking motherfucker yeah he is that smile. He looks better. I, I like the the clean shaven. The clean shaven James is, yeah. He, he's the clean dude. shaven James. That's really funny. That's he's a whole different persona. But okay, with that, as we mentioned, we're we're not going to get to talk about the women's day. Unfortunately, we're not going to get good to talk job, about the Bryant. Yeah, and good job Pliskova making the finals. That was cool. We should have put some money on that. We knew she was going to at least make the final. I, That's another yeah. controversy I want to save for tomorrow. Yeah, save that for tomorrow. We're not getting into that right now. Yeah. But okay. Final segment. It is a Monday. We want to do winners and losers from the week. Westoff, give me the winners and losers sound effect, please. Rothman, let's start with the let's start with the losers. Who are your losers? Oh God. I mean, I, Dalton I, for going to sleep early. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Soft. One. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say tennis Twitter a bit. I didn't want to do that because I wanted. To, I figured you were going to say that, but it, <laughs> after talking about it, it, I was looking back through and it frustrated me. Um, other losers, rain. I'm going to continue to say the rain. That was that was <laughs> annoying. Like what? Like come on. Um, but I don't have that many other losers. It, it was it was a winning week. I, this is stupid, and we don't need a sound effect. But you might have mentioned it. For Federer in the final, he went 20 of 20. I was just Xing out of the tab. 20 of 20 on first serve points, 12 of 15 on second serve points, loses three points total on serve. That's a crazy stat. But yeah, my losers for the week, 
I would say Alex Zverev, just because I expected him to at least make a semifinal of one of the Sunshine duo, and he didn't. Uh, so just, I feel like it's such an opening, given that, I mean, is it an opening when Roger Federer is still winning Masters titles? In my head, yes. Like, the fact, it, it's clearly all of these young guys are breaking through. You know, all the names, it feels it feels like we mentioned, Shapovalov, Tsitsipas, FAA, Chorich, um, who else did well over the two weeks? There's so many, my brain is mush, the point being... Alex Zverev was not one of those guys we mentioned, and it, it just feels like a golden opportunity was lost for him. Yeah, I agree. That that was going to be where my winners started was the fact that we had such a different quarterfinal, semifinal draw than we're used to. You know, we, we had Batista, Goot, Isner, FAA, Basilashvili, Chorich, Kyrie. I mean, it, it was just a, a, a great array of different players and, and I think that's what we've been su- what we've been shooting for and I'm sorry for cutting you off I tried to stop myself um in, in terms of just because I know you were about to get into winners my last loser and it's just a, a hint of loser he's not full loser but just a hint uh Novak Djokovic because like everyone after that Australia Open in the conversation he's gonna pass Federer and Nadal for sure Grand Slam wise he's got so many in the tank and just it was kind of well, that, it was just well, weird. That's, a, that's I, a debate, though. You can't ha- don't get don't get us started on that because that's no, a three out of I'm, five debate. And and you know what? Sure, like if you want to be considered a great, you should be doing what Federer is doing and winning two titles already this year and taking a Masters title. But the three the Grand Slam thing is totally separate. And you're right, and that's why I'm saying it's only a hint of loser. It was just weird. Everything around Djokovic, everything around Djokovic since the Australian Open with all the Players Council stuff and just him with these two performances, it's weird. Yeah, fair. I, I can agree with that. All right, well, let's have some fun. Give me your winners. Listen, I, I started there with with that, uh, you know, just the fact that we had such an interesting array of uh, players in the quarters, finals, and the semifinals. Other winners, ah, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> the house, it always wins. Actually, it did not win. All right, let me, do we want to do a Vegas pod, like where we share stories? Do, do we have enough interest? I don't think people care enough. Yeah, I don't know. DM us right, well, if, you, if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, you are one of my winners because I, I'm not going to give the play-by-plays and be obnoxious, but in multiple facets, Max Rothman was winning this weekend. We'll leave it there because uh, I know your mom <laughs> listens, my mom listens. But good weekend for Max Rothman. Good weekend for Parker Thieneman. Uh, again, just going to leave that there. Uh, good weekend Rob for Tom- Rockets. I don't know how I feel about Rob Thomas. Do we throw him in the losers category? We might. This is the Vegas edition, <laughs> winners and losers. <laughs> you know who else was slight, much like Djokovic, hint of loser? Mr. Thieneman at the uh, Yellowtail Bar. <laughs> <laughs> hint of loser. Oh, God. Uh, we, might, we might have to slow violin over yeah. that part. Winner, anything over anyone who bet on black feels like we won every, every time. Um, winner, the... Anyone who's a fan of Canadian tennis, getting back to the serious stuff, Andrescu, uh, FAA, Shapovalov, Rayonich hitting his late career prime. It's a good time to be a Canadian tennis fan. Uh, I'm trying to think. Am I missing any others? I guess I, we throw this every time, but people who believed in these next-gen talents. Again, it's from Zverev to Kasmenovic to, you know, who, who else is young that I'm not I feel like Laszlo Jure is still young. He's been doing well in this stretch of this season. I mean, Dominic Team won a Masters title. He's not exactly young, but I don't know if anyone would consider him old at this point. Just the range of young, talented players from playing styles to personalities to just 
the way they carry themselves. Our sport is in such good hands. So really, really, really thrilled about this Sunshine duo. Absolutely. And and I think the uh, the only other winner, this is like a half winner, half loser, and it relates to Vegas. The, <laughs> the odds for these tennis matches, some of the times were spot on. And other times I was like, oh, my God, we we could be making millions. I mean, the 25-and-a-half Isner spread is a lock. Like, there is no more sure thing in Vegas that— I wish I could bet on what the spread of a two-set Isner match is going to be. Or the over-under, not the spread. Because it yeah. will always be 25-and-a-half. And in this instance, they were right. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll save some other Vegas edition stories for another time. But any final thoughts for the weekend? Any look ahead to the week? I, I just—I think this is going to be a, a nice week where we get back into some of the GSP stuff and— you know, we, we bring in some hot takes and some, you know, forward-looking uh, commentary, which which should be fun. Uh, hopefully also going to bring you some, as, as you mentioned earlier, up-close up coverage of Charleston as we have Kale Hammond there. Um, yeah. Another winner I forgot about. Sneak winner. Just a cool concept. Sorry. Hopefully we can get them to do it under the Crack Rackets banner. The Clay Thompson-Nicole Gibbs broadcast. That's cool. I'm interested in that. I'll take a flyer. Um, so definitely, I, I think we might, I think we might need a, a four way broadcast where, where we go <laughs> off against them. Yeah. Cause you know, when I'm really not going to interrupt people when there are four of us, I'm sure <laughs> that's really going to work well. Well, we can wrap things up there. Huge shout out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who had incredibly different weekends, but both have an incredibly f- of a job to do and always do the job well. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to you, Max Rothman, again for all you've done this weekend for keeping me awake, for you know, motivating me to do this podcast. I'm glad we're through our issues. Uh, and just, uh, you know, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to get too uh, too emotional on the pod. <laughs> people people might start to get the wrong image as the uh, USTA guys did back at nationals. Dude, if they want to see the photo, I'll send, I'll send them the receipts. Uh, there's a nice – whatever. Yes, we'll leave it there. But one last time, for my incredible co-host, Max Olabauer-Roth, and for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, and for our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Rothman, this episode is under 30 minutes, so what do we say to our friends? That's a break! And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.